When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're going to have to turn that TV off. Well, I can't talk. Whenever Tiger Woods is on, I don't do anything before. Do you want to repeat the rips just so he can hear you? Yeah. Now that he's back in game. I, I missed him completely. I don't remember what it was. Talk about being under the influence. Oh, and right. Judd yeah. every day. For Kenny, ripping Judd yeah. is like breathing. He doesn't oh, even remember. Oh, that's actually pretty true, though. <laughs> that's not a rip. Yeah, it wasn't. It's just factual. That's yeah, all exactly it was. Exactly right. Good point. Uh, we are celebrating on this Throwbacks Thursday a very special 20 year anniversary, gentlemen. Ding. And Chip's hanging out, too. The 0-1. Swung on. He's going to get it. Popped up to right field. O'Neal near the line. He makes the catch. David Wells. David Wells has pissed a perfect game. 27 up. 27 down. Baseball immortality for David Wells. And the Yankees win. The Yankees win. Golik and Wingo stole a little of our thunder with this like an hour and a half ago, but... Uh, Chip, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Chipper. Were you? Where were you in 1998? I was in Chicago. I okay. just moved to Chicago because I think all of us were at like multiple years into this Twins futility stretch, yeah. culminating on what's the date? I guess May 17th, 1998, with a lineup of Matt Lawton, Brent Gates, Paul Molitor, Marty Cordova, Ron Coomer, Alex Ochoa, John Shave, Javier Valentin. And Pat Mears. John oh Shave at third base yeah. is my oh, favorite. Nice. Such a bad lineup that David Wells, according to his 2003 autobiography, Perfect I'm Not, retired all 27 batters despite only sleeping one hour the <laughs> night before with bloodshot eyes, monster breath, and a skull-rattling hangover, still half drunk because he went out with the Saturday Night Live cast in New York and partied till 5.30 in the morning. So was that a getaway day lineup? <laughs> yeah. What was it? Yeah, that but might have just been a standard Twins lineup but, in those days. Here, here's <laughs> the, here's the, the problem. Here's the problem. So I, I went back and looked at the opening day lineup that the Twins fielded on April 1st of 98 at Toronto that year, thinking to myself, okay, the, the one that we just read is bad, but how bad? The opening day lineup in 98 against the Blue Jays for the Twins was Otis Nixon in center, Brent Gates at second base, okay. uh, Paul batted third and DH'd, Orlando Merced at first base, Cordova in left, Lawton in right, Coomer at third, Steinbach the catcher, and Mears at shortstop. So aside from a guy like John Shave and v- Valentin instead of Steinbach, this was pretty much a lineup that you threw out there on a regular uh, basis in the summer of 98. What was the payroll for that team? About $12. <laughs> Not very high. Well, that's <laughs> maybe 13. That was also like right in the heart of contraction Attraction, discussions, yeah. right? Too, or maybe a year after. Yeah, Brent Gates was batting a buck 29 coming into the game. Brent Gates, I've never even heard of him. He played for the A's for a while. He was he a played for the golfers. player. Yeah, golfers player. His kid plays puck now. 
Really? Brent Gates so Jr., Jr. yes. Uh, no, I think they're in Michigan now. Oh, okay. But yeah, he was... Uh, the Gopher baseball team in the late 80s or early 90s, I believe, was Brent Gates at shortstop. Brian Robbie, who went on to play for the Twins as well, I believe was at second base. And the catcher, Dan Wilson, yeah. who yeah. played forever, who was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But Brent Gates, was he was a great college player who had a long pro career. I wouldn't say so great. There's a, I found this piece on Medium.com, which kind of... This is from two years ago, the 18-year anniversary of uh, every year we celebrate. It's one of the great pitching accomplishments ever. I can't decide (laughs) if it says more about how legendary the performance was or how god-awful the Twins were in 1998. But the author on Medium.com writes, I know a lot about baseball. Way too much, in fact. I'd estimate that I have, at very least, heard of 97 to 98% of the players that have appeared in an MLB game since 1998. I've never heard of John Shave. No idea who that is. The first time I've ever heard this name. Shave is in shave. Is that what... As in shave. Yes. Yes. Yeah. As in zero for three. How many? How many major league baseball games did he appear in? Oh, I can find that a, here. I believe it's now we're down a rabbit hole. I, yeah. I believe it's you John Shave. J O N John Shave. Yes. Here. Here he is. Baseball reference page. Baseball reference is an amazing. Yeah, oh, it's the greatest. Oh, man. Uh, John Shave played uh, parts of three years. Ninety three. Not again until ninety eight and ninety nine. Played for the Rangers, the Twins, and the Rangers. He played in uh, seventy nine games o- over those three years. Hit two eighty eight. Two eighty eight career average. Not too shabby. No, but he was. He was uh, late. Late nineties. He became your sort of typical twin. Well, let's give him a chance. Yeah. He'll play. He'll play for three dollars. Let's give him a chance. It is hilarious how you go back and I with the twins. I just think back to some of those. I covered that beat for like four years. First, the first four years of Target Field, and in the moment, you kind of knew. In like 2012, the way that we think back in the 90s to these random bad Twins players. Man, do you remember Scott Stahoviak, John Shave? Right. In the moment, you're thinking. We're going to say that about Luke Hughes, aren't we? We're totally <laughs> yeah. going to say that about, yeah. you yes. know, you know, yes, uh, PJ Walters is going to be a punchline yeah. in like five or six years from now. At what point do you think David Wells at that night said, ah, boys, I got to pitch in a few hours. I got to wrap this up. <laughs> he well, didn't, I guess. Apparently, like he, the way he reminisces about it, he kind of knew, yeah, I, he knew that he was He's being irresponsible, but. <laughs> <laughs> they got John Shave, I'm good. As long as I can pitch on Paul Molitor, <laughs> I'll be okay. Yeah, Brent Gates is bending second. All right, Jager bombs. Let's do some Jager bombs. <laughs> Who are some of the uh, like when you think back, Chipper, to your time, like growing up watching sports? Do you have those random teams or moments oh, that that stick Bra- with you? Like, I, I what are the Braves? The Braves, right? Pokoroba. Wow, Biff Pokoroba. So it was Daryl Cheney, right? Yeah, it was Biff Pokoroba, Glenn Hubbard, Rafael Ramirez, Claudel Washington, uh, my guy Horner. Yeah, the, those teams. But I would say. Kind of the the guy who fits that it was was Biff Pokoroba, right? Were you a Braves fan in oh, 1991? Yeah. Oh yeah. How, yeah. So what, what was where, what was Chip Scoggins doing when the Twins shattered your heart in 1991? I was uh, in in school and uh, you know in in Tennessee, and so obviously that was you know we all grew up Braves fans when they were just horrible, right? Everybody loved Murph, and uh, <laughs> and so I think just the fact that they weren't god awful that you're just happy that they were. You know, on that stage, um, and because they went worst to first too. People talk yeah. about the Twins going worst to first. The Braves went worst to first yeah. in nineteen ninety. And then, and then for them to win it, you know, was it the ninety two or ninety one World 90, Series? Yeah. Well, but then the Braves went to the World Series. What you're oftentimes, yeah, uh, but they so, won it in like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, yep. so we grew up in the uh, 
Yeah, because I was I was just out of school then. Um, yeah, I mean, so it was. I think for us, it was just you grew up with just the most ridiculous, awful baseball. They would be thirty games out by July, you know, and so um, it was. It was you. You could accept getting your heart broken just because you knew they were. They were actually I have good. Chip in in front of me a baseball reference: the nineteen eighty everyday Atlanta Braves. Whoa, 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 team. whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, hold on. Let's make this official. All right, if we're gonna really dive into this, let's. Uh... This is glorious. All right, because we we'll do the lineup game on so the show. So did Glenn Hubbard lead off? Let's set some parameters here. Okay, I I don't have the I, I have the position players for that that year. Let me see if I can go around play. the board. So just try. <laughs> yeah, I don't just know. Try get, this is this wow. is just from my memory. Just try and get the players. players. Yep. Uh, go ahead. The lineup uh, game. First so segment. This is great. So my pitcher was uh, Necro, uh huh, um, or Gaylord Perry. Um, catcher Benedict. Third Horns. Wait, wait, wait. Catcher Benedict. Yep. Third Horner. Horns. Uh, he was your boy. Horns. When he hit four home runs, I thought he was Babe Ruth. Honestly. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Uh, shortstop Rafael Ramirez. Second base, Glenn Hubbard. First base, Chris Chambliss. Uh, yep. Left field. Ah, left field. His kid played briefly for the Twins. Well, I'll go center and Murph, obviously, and then Claudel Washington. God, who's my left fielder? This is, hold on. This is, ama- this is very important. Actually, Jerry off- Royster was our, our utility guy. Yes. You're, is it Royce? You're, no. you're off on, on two. You just have our you're off on two. Bedrock was our closer. Uh, the right fielder playing 155 games that that year was actually Gary Matthews. Okay, and yeah, the shortstop okay. playing 121 games was Luis Luis Gomez. You know what? Though, what that's, is Rafael Ramirez. Uh, Rafael Ramirez. Good. This is the 1980 Braves. He was not there yet. Okay, he was not there yet. And Gaylord Perry looks like he he was not there. But uh, Nuxi Negro was there. So we had Gene was, Garber in a in bullpen. He Steve Drosian. Necro went fifteen and eighteen. It was uh, your your starting rotation in eighty for the Braves: Necro, Tommy Boggs, Rick Matula, Larry McWilliams, Doyle Alexander, Doyle Alexander, wow. Doyle Alexander, who was all of twenty nine at that time. What was it, what was the record that year? Oh, it was uh, quite awful. Yeah, it was. Let's see here if I can find it. For uh, this, is, this is amazing recall. This yeah. is like oh, hold on a second. Am I? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I apologize. Eighty-one and eighty. Okay. So Fair. did they shave a game? Yeah. It says here the team totals. Wow, that's not bad. But anyway, so you you made you got every guy who played on a regular basis, but two. That's really good. Wow. Anybody else want to take a crack at the lineup right now, Judd? Judd, you want to take a crack at like the? I can take like a the, crack at the nineteen. Okay, Met Stadium. Dave, let's you fire up the music in there this time. Give me a give me a year for the twins. Uh, give me the uh, nineteen eighty uh, twins. No googling. Make sure he's not googling. Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. I, I was going to, to make sure that I was right on the Braves nineteen eighty record actually because that did not seem right. All right, here we go. We'll look that up during the break. Yep. The nineteen eighty twins. Yeah. Uh, give me. We'll give you a you know one. Th- what, no, I can go. I can do what chip around, did. around the horn. I can do DH, what chip we'll did. Give you a, and then pitchers uh, do them second. Uh, okay, uh, 1980 Minnesota Twins at third base, uh, Mike Cubbage. Hold on a second. And Larry Wolf, I think, played some third base, too. Actually, uh, but I think Cubbage was still there. Yeah, C- Cubbage split some time with somebody. Okay, so Cubbage at third base, Roy Smalley at shortstop. 
Uh, the second base, I think, was a platoon between uh, Rob Wilfong played some second base. In 1980, I think Bobby Randall might have been gone. Was it Pete McCannon? But, but Wilfong played a lot of All second right, this base. Is, this is a heavyweight fight between Chip and Jed right now. Papa Up <laughs> obtained from the Angels. Uh, Ron Jackson played a ton of first base. Butch Weiniger caught on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> Willie Norwood in center field. Hoskin Powell and Bombo Rivera in right. Hold on one second. Uh, see the outfielders again? Uh, center field, Willie Norwood. Uh, he played, but he wasn't. He batted 164 Ken, and 76 plays. Ken Landrell? There you go. Okay. Uh, I don't even know who these people are. Like yeah. I'm a Twins fan since about 1990. Ken, Ken Landro, uh, to this day, if I'm not mistaken, has the longest hitting streak in Twins history at 31 games. Uh, and also had a Coke problem. Uh, though He did. He had a Coke problem. He had a cocaine problem. Which caused him to be traded eventually uh, to the Dodgers. We're going to have four hours of this. Uh, in right field. Hey, we're just going to invite callers. If you, come on, call in. in cheating. In right field, in right field, uh, 1980, I think you, I think you might have had Hoskin Powell and Mambo Rivera. Uh, left field. Yes, and yes. Left field was. You're naming all the guys who played like briefly, too. This is incredible. I kept scoring all the games. <laughs> You've named like five book. bench players. I got already. a scorebook full of this stuff. You want to go to pitching? I think you got all the other guys. I didn't get left field, and I want to say was it Rick Soulfield played a bunch of left field that season? Great. Rick this Soulfield's is like we should charge tells. admission to this right <laughs> this now. Is great. And this really was just off the top of the head, right? I mean, this is. Oh no, he's not, at he it. doesn't have no, his. Uh, no, no, in fact, no, I'll show you what I'm looking at. This from forty yeah, years ago. Standings. All right, keep keep going. Pitchers. Um, there were five starting pitchers who made six starting pitchers who made at least eleven starts. All right, this is this is going to be difficult. It's going to be very difficult, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Jeff Zahn in 1980. So difficult. Left-hander. I think he pitched opening day, the home game, which was a gorgeous day at the Met, if I'm not mistaken. My parents took me. Uh, so Jeff Zahn was, I. he might have been gone. He might have left by then. But was Dave Gold still there? That might be wrong. He might have been, I think he left, he left for the Dodgers in the early 80s. Okay, Dave Gold had left as a free agent for, for the Dodgers for a big payday. Um, Jerry Kuzman? I think he might have won 20 games that year. 16 and 13. Okay, because he won 20 eventually. So, uh, so okay, so Zahn, Kuzman. Oh, you already named Zahn. Sorry. Uh, yep, 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 yep. Uh, uh, Roger Erickson? I didn't know that he uh, also did radio and pitching. It's Great right. pickoff yeah. move. <laughs> Right-hander with a killer pickoff move. Really good. Hopefully five people got that joke. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. Right. Um, I think more people would have gotten it like 10 to 20 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Roger Erickson is the third guy. You uh, got this. You got this. Uh, 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 did they have a guy named Daryl Jackson on that staff? <laughs> also, was actually the first twin with a drug problem uh, that, that we found out about. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which drug? I don't know, but he went. He went to rehab because <laughs> the Landro Coke problem came out later, I believe. Um. Oh, was the last guy? Did the last guy make a ton of starts, or did the next you, guy make a ton of starts? Yeah, there's actually three guys. You have a 16 starts, 11 starts, and nine starts. If you want to take a crack here, uh, with Gary Serum on that staff. Mm, nope. All right, we got one more strike. This is this is amazing already. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. 1980. Uh, was I'll the, give you a hint on one of them. All right. Hold on. Oh, Fernando Arroyo? 
Sorry, I just went to the wrong page. Yep. But that is correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. A R R O Y O, I believe. If you can get the last picture, well, just give me one of the other pictures. I think Doug Corbett was on this. Was uh was the closer. Thank you very much. Thank you very. You know what? I'm going home. Yeah. I can't. I can't. It's all down here. Exactly right, Chipper. You set the bar high. That's pretty good. I feel like mid '90s to late '90s Cubs growing up watching WGN. I mean, the Twins are. Yeah, like so would that be the Sean Dunstan? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, there was there was a lot of incarnations of like mid to late nineties Cubs, but you had like the Ray Sanchez Cubs. You had, if you want to go back to like um, the the early nineties, you had like the Candy Maldonado Cubs. Mm. He was also with the Blue Jays, but anyways, Chip's hanging out with us. <laughs> <laughs> We're just Candy showing Maldonado. off, you know, yeah, knowledge right. from forty years ago here. Um, an interesting week for the Gopher basketball team. They landed. They landed a guard that's worth discussing here, um, and we can dive into some of that when we come back to and whatever else Chip wants to talk about. We have a loaded show today: Lou Nanny at ten o'clock, Doogie with a scoop at eleven, Roy Smalley, Matthew Collar, Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back, gentlemen. The moment has finally arrived on fifteen hundred ESPN. Fowler rips it into center field, a base hit. Bam scores. Martinez scores. Two nothing Cardinals with two outs in the first. And the Cardinals have been needing a hit like that for the last four games. The pitch to Tommy, a swing and a high fly ball. Deep right field. This might go. It's a gunner. A home run for Pham leading off the eighth. The Cardinals lead 7-3 to three in Minneapolis. Easy outs, quick outs um, seems to be what's been going on so far. Can't, can't find them. Um, they're there. I just got to uh, keep working. I mean, I don't really pay attention to the past, so... Sorry about the day. That was miserable Lance Lynn. By the way, Chip yeah. Scoggins is hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Yeah, I, I was there for his post game, and he, oh, yeah? he ended it by, I, I forgot, oh, uh, someone asked him, did he feel anything different going against his uh, uh, former team? He said, no, just felt like a bad start, and that's basically all I've given this year is bad starts. Where does wow. Chip, where does he <laughs> rank among guys you've covered who... Don't seem to be mad, but they seem to be miserable. He's yeah. every time I see him quoted, and people keep saying, "No, he likes it here. He really likes his teammates. He really likes." But every time you see quotes or 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 hear that, he seems like I am miserable beyond belief. He seems miserable and out of answers. I mean, he's just he's been terrible this year, and there's you know this is not obviously what he anticipated coming in here and. And so, you know, he has a track record, so he obviously is going to get a longer leash, but it's going to be interesting to see if this doesn't turn around when, when Santana comes back. To me, he's got to be the guy that, um, unless something else happens uh, in the interim, you know, he's just not, you can't yeah. keep putting your team in a hole like that. And those first two innings yesterday were just painful. Well, it took like two hours. He threw 80 pitches. It was, yeah. Like, he is, there's so much Mike Pelfrey to him. Even yeah. sort of like their physical appearance, they look a little yeah. bit alike. And whether it's just like sweating profusely after three <laughs> innings, and and then it, the game takes an extra hour longer than it should because they're on the mound. And Judd and I talked about this two or three weeks ago, and, and the same is true. You've got these guys who didn't pitch in spring training, who sat out there trying to get the best contract, which, you know, more power to them. They're free agents. They're trying to get deals, and their agents miscalculated. Mm-hmm. But Greg Holland came into the game for the Cardinals yesterday. Couldn't throw a strike. They had to pull him from the. He almost blew that game. It was like yeah. a four run lead. He almost blew it, and uh, and that was one of the best relievers in baseball last year. So if you don't if you don't take the opportunity to sign, maybe take a little less money and sign early. 
um, get those 45 days of spring training in. Like, you're just going to jump in and face lineups? All right. And that's the thing. I was talking to uh, Derek Gould, who's my uh, college buddy. He, he's the beat writer for the St. Louis paper, and he'd actually talked to Lynn um, a, a couple of days before his start when he got in, and, and that's what Lynn told him. And I think they underestimated. When you're a veteran, you probably think, okay, I can get up to speed. I can ramp it up pretty quickly. But I think maybe he underestimated how much you really need that spring training time to sure. to work through arm issues and mm-hmm. maybe soreness and then um, – and then get you know so you're at when you when the season starts your arms in the shape that you want it to be and maybe he's fighting through some of that that he that he otherwise would have gone through in spring training. Yep. And mentally, it's got it's got to be tough, right? Because he thinks to himself, "I'm going to hit the market and I'm going to get a four year fat contract. I'm, I'm going to turn down the, mm-hmm. the Cardinals' uh, offer to me, which was I believe three million more than he got from the Twins, <laughs> ultimately, and I'm going to get this big fat contract." And then you don't get the contract. And then you come here on a one-year deal, prove it, and then you struggle. Mm-hmm. It's got to sort of snowball as well. I mean, because there there has to be something to the fact that after every start, this guy sounds as down in the dumps as you could possibly get. That can't be good in any walk of life or yeah. any job where you're basically like, I, I don't know what to do here. Well, th- they would never admit it, but just think about what human nature is. that You think you're worth something, you don't get it. Okay, I'm gonna have a one year. I'm gonna prove it. I'm gonna stick it to him. I'm gonna go out here and set the world on fire. Then I'm gonna get that big contract. And then you lay an egg. Yep. The first six weeks, I'm sure that has to mess with you mentally. And that's maybe some of that's going on too. But the biggest thing is he just can't throw strikes. He can't yeah. locate his pitches right now. And from the front office standpoint, there's a trend now. I mean, like Melky Cabrera. Was there an injury there? Melky Cabrera is in the minor leagues. That guy's hit. A, mm-hmm. He's hit 290 over the years, over the last few years. But I think what's happening is as players get to be 29, 31, 32 years old. Front offices aren't going to pay you. They're not going to like make good on the money you should have made when you were really good. And it's not fair to players. If you're a Lance Lynn and and you look relative to the last 20 years in baseball and you were really good on a World Series caliber team for your first, whatever, three or four years yeah. making $500,000. And now you're going to hit free agency thinking, all right, so I know I'm coming off Tommy John a couple years ago, but now I'm at least going to make that 30 or $40 million. And front offices now are smart. They're looking around at these failed contracts, the Ricky Nolasco contracts, and saying, hey, the system might be messed up for you. You might only make like $500,000 when you're really good your first few years, but that's not our problem. Yeah, We're not going to make good on that. We're, we'll give you $10 million for one year if you want to come here. But it, It'll be interesting to see if this creates even more of a cooling effect when you, you see some of these guys struggling and be like, boy, we could have given him a big contract, and now all of a sudden yeah, that would have been really bad. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing from yesterday I think is worth – Pointing out and maybe a standing ovation. That's hit well to left field. That's got some carry. It's gone. A 3-1 pitch, and Morrison goes deep to the opposite field. Lomo to left? Yeah. I think I saw that's like his fifth career home run yeah, to left field. Phil Miller. And it was interesting because uh, the previous at bat, he, he, with that shift, he bunted. And you're thinking, oh, he did lay down a bunt. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. And uh, he's been working on it. Good he's for him. And then you're like, boy. And it, Brian Hall was sitting next to me. He said, "This shift has gotten his head." And then um, the thing that's interesting about that is the pitch that he hit was low and outside. So he went with it. Yes. And you're thinking, why would he pitch him there if you have the shift on? Why were you going to pitch him outside? If, I mean, is he sure. still going to try to pull it? But yes. to his credit, he went. He went with the pitch. Well, I can't remember if it was. I think it was. It was an at bat later in the game, and. And someone threw him like a, I can't remember which pitcher it was, but threw him a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, belt high, right on the inner half. That's the pitch you don't want to throw because that's the one he'll yeah. hit over the shift. 
I say I, I thought the pitch he hit out to left field, it was it was like ninety two miles an hour, two seamer kind of tailing down and away. I thought it was a great pitch to throw him because like you just said, Chip, he tries to pull that pitch usually. Yeah. But he just beautifully went the other way and cranked it out four hundred feet. And if that's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a new part of his repertoire. I just think it was, but it was a nice great to, circumstance for him. It was nice to see that, you know, he, he, he maybe the shift wasn't in his head. He said, you know what, I got to go away with that pitch and not try to pull everything. Yeah. And you were rewarded for and it. And quite frankly, if guys like that don't evolve, if half the team is standing in right field and, and the other half are like on the infield on that side, if you can't adapt your swing and take that exact pitch and hit it hard to left field, you're not going to be in the major leagues. The shifts are not going away. I mean, it's just, if anything, uh, we're seeing it with every un- batter. Now. Unless, unless, Mr. Fix it. Mr. Oh, Fix it. You, go with, you go with Did my Did I miss a segment idea. this week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, you missed it. This goes back to, for two years, I've been saying, I think baseball should at least examine creating what would be called illegal defenses and making people play approximate not not shading not not taking out shading chipper but giving you some parameters as to what what you can do defensively so we don't get for instance the shortstop going to left field we don't have you basically draw a line from home plate literally or figuratively but the astros the 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 astros uh shift on lomo had i believe the shortstop near the warning track in left field yes so if you created so if you gave thought to to get offense back in and to have guys actually put the ball in play again, as opposed to saying, well, I've got to try and hit a home run. Why would you penalize a team for being smarter than... Well, a, but the, yes, which is, that's the argument. Yeah. But then you could go to basketball and say, well, why would you punish a team that plays a great zone defense? Yeah. And, the, and the league would say, because we, we don't... <laughs> because we don't we like want, zone. Yeah. yeah, because we want Kevin yep. Durant to score 30 points. It's <laughs> more right. fun that Just way. Just some food for <laughs> thought, right. Chipper. Yeah. Just a little bit of thought. But right. I think, and you'd still be able to... If you did it, it'd have to be like two infielders and one outfielder on one side. So you have to have three fielders at all times on one side. And then if you want to you want to move your center fielder over or you want to shift up to the line, your shortstop stands on the line. Yeah. And your third baseman stands 10 feet from him, mm-hmm. but your shortstop can't cross the line. And then it would open up for more singles and doubles and triples. Yeah. It's well, home run strikeouts and walks, baby. Like all-time it, highs in all of them That's right what now. it is. Yeah. And it means it, it, you watch a game now and you're like, honestly, they shift on every other batter it comes up here even within counts they'll shift within counts yeah yeah Yeah, because the the twins have have the shift where where you get um you get two strikes on on a guy and so you you know he's not gonna bunt and so the third baseman goes and essentially plays between the shortstop and second Second, base yeah yeah so just a thought chipper illegal defenses in baseball just trying to fix it yeah mr fix it you want to talk uh some gophers next there's some yeah, interesting absolutely. gophers topics yeah. to get into here chip scoggins from the star tribune and startribune.com mackie and judd in the tcl broadcast studio lou nanny in 30 minutes later on we'll get to uh doogie with a scoop roy smalley and matthew collar phil mackie judd zolgad i like these guys but sometimes they think they're too damn smart mackie and judd dummies mm-hmm. on 1500 espn <laughs> We got Chipper in here. I remember when, when. When's the last time the Gophers played UW Milwaukee? Was it last year? They played them in the non-conference. I want to say in the last couple of years. A couple of years ago. Yeah. A couple of years ago. This, I don't think they played them. Last Springs. Yeah, it might have been. No, yeah, yeah. Springs. Yeah. Came, he Springs transferred from, from the Milwaukee. Game. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I just right. remember, uh, and this happens with like three or four of the non-conference teams that are maybe like sometimes this happens with South Dakota when the Gophers play teams that are in the Midwest and they've got these. 
sniper shooter guards that are just out there. Maybe they're not going to get a bunch of rebounds, but they're just going to knock down threes. And I think, when's the last time the Gophers had a great three-point shooting team? Like, they, Nate Mason could hit some threes, and McBrayer can get hot sometimes. But by and large, you can pack the paint and make the Gophers try and beat you from long range. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting when uh, this news came out earlier in the week that Richard Patino landed a senior grad transfer from UW Milwaukee, six foot four guard Brock Stoll, mm-hmm. thirteen points a game the last two years, thirty eight percent from three the last two years, five rebounds, three assists, and uh, and he'll help you in that backcourt if you don't really trust Isaiah Washington and and where he was at last year as a freshman. Yeah, I, I mean, like it. Yeah, and I I had. Uh... I had talked to Patino after the season, after I got back from the Olympics, and and just in talking to him, you could tell he was pretty determined to get a grad transfer, and um, just because you know you you just have Washington there, and he needs more veteran uh, presence around him. I don't think you just want to cut the team loose to Isaiah Washington after one year, and so and they just need more experience in the backcourt um, at that at the point guard, and so I, I think it. Um, I think it's a, it's a great move for them, for Washington, for the team overall, and they needed to, you know, when you're losing Nate Mason, um, you know, they they needed some veteran presence in their backcourt, and so it, they they lost some guys obviously uh, through different ways, graduations, expulsions, uh, but I think Patino's done a pretty good job of of going out and getting some transfers to add to that the the three guys he has coming in from uh, in state. Hey Chipper, from your talk uh, with Coyle. Last week, mm-hmm. I th- think you did the column uh, for the Sunday Strip. What do you sense uh, Coyle's feeling towards the b- basketball program is now? Because he's seen, he came in here and got the, the re- review coming off that disastrous year, if I'm correct, and then saw a very good year and then saw a downturn. So is he patient right now? Yeah. Is he eager? What's the well, I can expectation? Tell you, <clears throat> excuse me, I can tell you unequivocally he's a Richard Patino fan and thinks he's a good coach. As he even told me, I didn't use the whole quote. Um but he said, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm confident in Richard. You don't just all, all of a sudden be, lose or forget how to coach. And he, 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 like a lot of people, and, and it's the truth that when you lose that many players off one team, impact players, you're, you're just going to suffer. Now, the one thing where, you know, you, you could maybe criticize him is his bench. And that's where they've had some recruiting misses. And so they didn't have enough Big Ten caliber players to come off the, you know, would they have seven man really rotation to start the year? Even yeah. if you had, so, they were thin, and so that's you know where some earlier misses left them vulnerable. But I can tell you, Mark Cole is one hundred percent supportive of uh, Richard Pitino and thinks he's a good coach. What did they learn from the Lynch uh, situation? Do you think? Um, because it wasn't. It, I mean, in terms of like lessons learned, yeah. In, in terms because it, 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 I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that they completely blundered it but it also probably could could have been handled in retrospect in a different way yeah that than they did yeah i mean it well those things are so hard because from my understanding the way the process works and maybe i think they've changed it since but they basically say hey um your players being investigated uh, by the office of equal uh, equal opportunity there's a you know investigation going on but they don't they can't give you any other information at that point and so you don't know, is it, now you go to the player and say, hey, what in the heck is this? And so obviously they know more than probably what they would ever let on. But um, I, I don't know that it's, they would look back and say, you know, we missed anything in, in the recruiting process. Maybe they, you know, I don't know how that, hard. That's what people are claiming. Right? I don't know that, how hard they, 
they dug into the reasons why he, he you know he, he flamed out at his at his first school, and that's what's tough because a lot of the there there was. And, and that story is now several months in the rearview mirror, mm-hmm. and so it's not top of mind for people anymore. Yep. But I remember one of the main criticisms was, okay, this is not behavior that was unknown to people, even yeah. in high school for Edge Lynch, and so if, or or at his old uh, college stop. So if the Gophers were doing their due diligence, people were saying that they never even would have brought Reggie Lynch in, to which I say, all right, if I'm an athletic director and I'm a college coach, and there are no criminal investigations. There's no criminal activity. He doesn't have a record, like an arrest record, yeah. right? Uh, maybe there's some bad behavior, but I feel like as a coach and an AD, okay, we can bring him into our system, and ideally, you know, he's going to be a good fit, and we can we can mature him. And that's where the the entire athletic department has been a failure for two decades. Well, and they just have a culture of bad behavior and miscues, and and that's where it's hard. Where, like you said, if there's not. Uh, Arrest record or, you know, a case history there with, and it's just, you know, and I'm just speaking in general, you know, you hear, yeah, he's sort of kind of on edge there. He's, you know, he's not the greatest guy in the world, but nothing criminal, but just, you know, you have to keep your thumbs on him. You guys, that, that's a hard area because then you say, well, we'll put him in a good culture. We're surrounded with, you know, the guys we have in our locker room. Um, you know, we'll have more structure in place for him. So that's where you're a little bit roll the dice, and, and sometimes what? you get burned. If and he goes somewhere, this is the problem too. If you're a coach, and where and where fans have to, you have to be self aware here as a fan. If that guy goes and plays somewhere else and doesn't have any legal troubles, and you finish with a worse record than otherwise, if you would have brought that player in, guess what? You're not going to be able to say, well, so we thought there was some questionable behavior there, yeah. and so we passed on this guy, and now our team sucks. Okay, you're fired, right? Yeah, it, it's you're hard. I mean, that, that's that's the. I mean, it's easy if you you go say, okay, this guy has a, he's been arrested for sexual assault. Well, we're just gonna pass. We're gonna mess with him. But like you said, if it, if it's, you know, if someone's telling you, you know, it's just there's something about him. It just right. seems like he's on edge. You know, you, you know, there's potential for you know, him stepping out of line. Mm-hmm. That's the one where coaches just have to say, it's a gut. You, you're around him. You know, I think. If you're a coach, you say, "Well, I think we can control this," or "I can't." That's that's the hard area with this, and and sometimes it blows up in your face. And obviously, Reggie did. So, as far as a coil goes, too, what's his next step now? Because I found it, I didn't realize until I read your column that he had made so many changes. Yeah. Like I knew that there had been coaching changes, but it was somewhat like six like since he got here. Yeah, six of the twenty-one. So, yeah. so as far as stability goes, is he? close to where he wants to be now? Is yeah. it still uh, in flux a little bit? Yeah, and I, I don't know all the sports kind of where they're at um, contract-wise and some of the, the the you know minor sports. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's got the, the coaches he wants in place. And the thing that's interesting to me that just stuck out is forever when Gophers have a search where his football is like, and this is not a knock on Jerry Kill because I like Jerry Kill, but he was like their fifth choice. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure Richard Pitino was our first choice, you know. So you normally have to get told no, however many times, three, four, five, whatever, and then you wind up with the coach. Well, I, I give Mark cre- uh, Cole credit because you know whatever you want to think about PJ Fleck, he was a, a known name at that time coming off that season, and that was his first choice. He made a push, he went and got him. Uh, Motsko, that was his top choice. He went and got him. Lindsey Whalen was his top choice, and so you mean he didn't need to use a search firm to find Bob Motsko and Lindsey Whalen? Yeah, and it, you know, and I it, love the fact he does not. <laughs> I use talked to him them. about that. He said, "I, I love that." He's the thing he does is he has a folder and it has Excel sheets in it. He didn't show me, but um, he just said, "Hey, 
and he has a Turn list of coaches, and he, he constantly moves around. It's like, hey, if, if I have to fire a guy or if someone leaves or whatever, these are people I'm going to go after. And he's he's constantly juggling those those lists. And uh, and so he felt like he was prepared, that he knew who he wanted. He said, he, he, he said I'm not going to sit here and say I would never use a search firm because he thinks there's some value uh, sometimes, especially if you're maybe not familiar with the sport or not, you know, there's for whatever reasons. But he said, I never, I, with these cases, I didn't feel like I needed a search firm. And think about how many hundreds of thousands of dollars the Gophers have spent over the years on just search firms. Which is, and in the grand scheme, if your program's bringing in a hundred plus million dollars in revenue, like $150,000 is a drop in the bucket, but it's still ridiculous. But it's still like, $150,000 and it can go somewhere else. Right. And if, and, I, and that's where like we've had this issue with Glenn Taylor in town. Like Glenn Taylor's been an NBA owner for 20 plus years and he needed David Stern to help him find David Kahn. Like, dude, that was 10 years into yeah. his ownership, but you know, so it is like for, for Coyle to be that organized. Back to Patino for just a second. It feels like, and I and I've been a huge Patino supporter. I did the coaches show with him, and I just feel like there is a sharpness there and a get it factor. And it popped up when they went to the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. but last year was such a big step back. I still think, and and will and this is going to be the swing year for him, whether it's here or somewhere else. I think he's a good college basketball coach and a really good recruiter. And the, but this is going to be a really important year, right? Because if they yeah. don't go to the NCAA tournament, there's going to be even more backlash. Yeah, the, the, his resume is going to look pretty bad. The the heat on the outside will get turned up. I, I don't necessarily think that that Cole will lose faith in him. I think he's a good coach. Where I think he's opened himself up to scrutiny, and it's is some. It was just the uh, product of the circumstances. But you know, his first couple of years, he took some players and brought them here that were just misses. Wild Kanate, Jeju. Well, yes. and guys that fl- left. Michael, right? Michael Hurt has not been good. But well, yeah. and I would say, I mean, look at the guys that have left the program. I mean, early on there was uh, two or three of them that just didn't. Uh, the, Lot, Lofton kid, a couple uh, guys who made their own little home video at one point. Yeah, yeah Dorsey, the kid from Baltimore that and just, they could play at least. The kid from uh, well, that got arrested. I well, mean, oh yeah, really. yeah that, that was. Incredible. And so you had those. So all of a bad. sudden, it caught up to you to where now. You had a season where you really let's talk. Be honest, you had what six or seven legitimate Big Ten players, and so that's yeah. where he. I think he opened himself up, um, and part of that's just hey, he's a new coach. He's just trying to get bodies in here, and and I think he'll be the first to admit they they missed on guys, and so now I think it's it's fair to judge him. You've been here long enough that mm-hmm. you, you weren't just taking guys. Now you're recruiting legitimate Big Ten players, and so let's see, you know how this these you know three guys coming in from in state that look really good. Um, you know, kind of how they build from there. Let's uh, let's get Chip's thoughts too on Gopher football. There was a story from CBS Sports Hat Tip uh, Gopher Hole that tabs the Gopher schedule in a certain way. We should get to that. Chip Scoggins hanging out with us. Lou Nanny coming up in about fifteen minutes on Mackie and Judd. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. On fifteen hundred ESPN. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field Saturday, May 26th, presented by 1500 ESPN. And the Minnesota Twins make plans to attend and help raise money for the Twins Community Fund. The day kicks off at 10 a.m. with the Class B game. That's followed up by Class B and Class A action to wrap up the day. All the games broadcast here on 1500 ESPN. And if you want to get down to the ballpark, tickets are 10 bucks and good for the entire day. For more info... Or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword town ball. Chip Scoggins hanging out with us, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. And a hat tip to Gopher Hole. Dave found this uh, on the Twitter sphere from Gopher Hole. And if you uh, haven't checked out the Gopher Hole podcast, a lot of good stuff from uh, the last few months. 
Nadine Babu, Daniel House, but they have deemed the Gophers football schedule the easiest in the conference for the 2018 season. Now, the last time the Gophers had the easiest schedule in the conference, they yeah. fired a coach after the year was over. Yeah, they, they didn't do much with it. No, they did win nine games yeah. with the bowl win, but they they lost four in the regular season. And if you look at it, this is where the timing of where they're at as a program doesn't match taking advantage of a schedule like this because they're yeah. just not ready to like win ten games. Uh, but they get three games in the non-conference against New Mexico State, Fresno State, and Miami of Ohio. All at home. So they should win those games. Yep. Uh, and then you don't play Michigan State, you don't play Michigan, you don't play Penn State from the East, you do play at Ohio State. And at Wisconsin. And at Wisconsin. Yeah, which both those teams are going to be good enough to get to the playoff. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I assume those go by what record last year, or are they breaking down rosters and all that, I don't know, but um, it's... It's to me, it's harder than it was last year. The schedule, when you look at it, because you, you mean you're adding Ohio State back, and now you're going to Wisconsin, um, and so. But I keep coming back when when you have a first year starting quarterback. Oh, it's not no going to be. Idea what it you're won't be get. pretty. You have no idea what you're going to get. So they and last year they didn't get Ohio State at all, right? No, they didn't get Michigan last year. So it gets it gets slightly tougher than than that. But I just. I'm with you. I think this is going to be about well, what they'll they'll win all, all the non-conference games, win a couple you would, of conference you would games. Think? You would well, think. yeah, but are I'm just saying, what, freak out if like they what, go four or five wins, four wins maybe. Well, they're going to get three. Yeah, like they should get three. Are we going to freak out if they win five games? Are people going to like, call people for PJ Flex? I, be- I know they Roy- did last year. I don't know he may. <laughs> I did last year. I believe about? you're going to enter the season with um, expectations, attempting to be managed as much as possible, though. Well, then that's he's done that from day one. He, I yeah, mean, PJ has not short term. People, but people yeah. only latch onto the long term thing, which I'm fine with long term expectations and bravado. Yeah, but that's where people are like, well, he's promising. National championships and they can't even yeah, beat the, Maryland. It's like, well, he's not promising a national championship in 2018. But yeah, I feel like they go around and around with people on this because we live in this just Twitter world where you want it to happen. And and part of that, you know, and I and I told PJ that when you're that bombastic and that out front, <laughs> yes. and ESPN's coming to watch you, people equate that with I'm promising something right now. And he's been, you know, he's he's tried to make it clear. He's like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying eventually and that there's going to be growing pains and they're going to be really young. And so, but that kind of gets tuned out. And, you know, the thing to me that was last year that I just found the most frustrating was, um, and some of it was just, you know, who the personnel was. I mean, that offense was embarrassing in terms of quarterback play and the wide receiver play. But to be so uncompetitive or non-competitive against in some of those games, Wisconsin, um, they had a couple other where you just felt like they could have played till Tuesday and they were not going to score much. They just didn't have the personnel. And so they'll be younger this year. You know, you hope some of these guys he brought in are, are more talented. But when you're in a Big Ten and you're relying on a bunch of freshmen, you're not going to win. So is it's year three, gonna, is year three, that would, you would hope the that realistic that would be time the, to yeah. see the uh, turnaround start or it, expectations build? Yeah. And, and part of it is they, I mean, I feel like I've, been talking about this for 20 years since I've been here, but you've oh, got, you have been. You got to find a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's just you've got to establish. You got to uh, recruit and develop a quarterback. And if you're constantly just having average at best quarterback play, 
you're not going to win a lot of Big Ten games. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Chip's hanging out, talking some gophers right now. What's up, Mike? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Skip, but am I the only guy in the state that thought the Lindsey Whalen deal was was the wrong thing to do? And, and here's my point. Um, she has never drawn up a practice plan, never had a game plan, never called a timeout in a situation, never had a pregame uh, speech. She's never recruited. This, this woman's got one, not one minute of coaching experience, and not only did she get hired to run a Big Ten program, she got hired to run a Big Ten program, and she's taken it as a part-time job. This isn't even a full-time job. And nobody said a word about Coyle making a bad choice here. I just think it's really short-sighted. Don't get me wrong. I, Lindsey Whalen is a state sweetheart, and I love Lindsey Whalen. But to bring her in and run a Big Ten program with zero experience, and she's doing it on a part-time basis, I'm thinking we're doomed here, man. All right, Mike, thank you for the call. And oh, well, Okay, I think a lot of, a lot of people including all of us, disagree with almost everything he just like said. 1,000%. But, but there are people who probably have some of those questions, so, okay. Well, the one he mentioned recruiting, well, she just got two recruits right off the bat, who, including one from the state of Minnesota, from Stillwater. Marlene Stallings, in four years of coaching here, did not get one single Minnesota player. Not really? one. Now, they oh, came, there were some that transferred back, but not one signed wow. there. Yeah. And so yeah. I, can, I can tell you from talking to people, this state is going to open up for girls uh, that want to come play basketball yeah. for Lindsey Whalen. Also, the, the, oh, the motivation thing, have you paid any attention to her basketball career? You think Lindsey Whalen can't motivate a team? Well, here's another thing. like uh, The first five things he listed, that she's never done up a practice plan, that she's never given a uh, locker room speech as a coach, she's never done these things. You know who else hadn't? Steve Kerr. Yeah. Steve Kerr is one of the three best coaches in the world. He has a great roster. Well, and Cheryl and Cheryl Reeve wouldn't have given her a ringing endorsement if she thought as she might not be good. The only the only thing she has to learn is the administrative part. That there's things that come up when sure. you're a college coach that come across your desk that you probably thought, oh my gosh, I had no idea I even had to deal with this. But in terms of the basketball thing, you think she doesn't know how to draw up a practice plan? Come on, and I mean seriously. And plus, this is to, to me, it's a great move. This is the first time in my life that I've been excited about this program. This this hire, does she need to learn stuff? Absolutely. Probably she does. And she's going to learn. Are there going to be mistakes? Absolutely. There, there will. But Mark Coyle has taken a program which has been successful, and that's great. And he has hired one of the most popular, brightest as far as I can tell. Uh, and Winners. If, if she's not qualified for the job right now, I'm confident she will be. So this to me is a is it's a great idea that I never saw coming. Yeah, she's also just like to pull back the curtain a little bit. So she's been a weekly guest on our show on Mondays for the last two months, and and this was before she took the the go for basketball coaching job. And we kind of thought, oh, this is maybe we could expand this, do podcasting, and maybe that happens at some point. But in our conversations with her off the air and behind the scenes. We've had to sort of tweak the way that we go about those Monday appearances because she doesn't have time to watch games. Yeah. Like she didn't watch any of the she her all of her free time is spent doing the two full time jobs. And so if that gives you any indication, is she, you know, how is she really taking it seriously? No, she's literally devoting every waking moment of her life. Mm-hmm. She'll leave practice, mm-hmm. links practice in the morning, and then she'll go she'll go deliver a speech somewhere. She'll go uh, do recruiting things. She'll go back to the office and and wh- whatever it is that you need to do. Like she's working 
she's probably working a hundred plus hours a week to fulfill, including travel. It's probably even more than that. And that's the thing, you know, it, it all comes back to recruiting. She's going to get so many, such a higher level player here. Paige Becker from Hopkins is one of the best girls basketball players in the entire country. She, you, uh, UConn wants her bad. Gino Ariam is here. Notre Dame wants her bad. If Lindsay wasn't the coach, Minnesota would have less than zero percent chance of recruiting. If Marlene Stallings was here, still here, less than zero, wouldn't even consider it. Yeah, I'm not saying that Lindsay's going to be able to sign her, but I guarantee you she'll be in the final mix. Yeah, and that's just the effect that she's going to have on recruiting. And obviously, like X's and O's in the WNBA are different than X's and O's in college and personnel. So you're going to have to figure out the tactical aspect. But if you can just bring in better talent than yeah. than other coaches, that's a great place to start with. So. Yeah. All right, good stuff, Chip. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming me. in. Appreciate Chip Skaggin, Sarah Tribune. <laughs> he whipped from the opening <laughs> get-go on that call. Skippy, I've always loved you. I always will. No matter what people say about you. Uh, Lou Nanny will join us when we come back. And then later on, we'll talk. Uh, Roy Smalley, we'll talk some baseball with him. Uh, 11 o'clock scoop with Doogie this week, too. Mackie and Judd. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 